This is Radiate, the podcast that celebrates life and shines a light on life-restoring stories of organ, tissue, and eye donors, recipients, and information you need to know about donation. Welcome back to Radiate. I'm Audrey Coleman, your host. Thank you for joining us today. Several years ago, Bobby Walker experienced a fall that could have cost him his life. Instead, it saved his life. While being treated for his injuries, doctors discovered that Bobby's kidneys were actually failing and he would require a transplant. Had it not been for that fall, Bobby's condition could have gone undiagnosed. But fortunately for him, Bobby was able to receive a donated organ. Bobby is here today to talk about the many paths he has taken since his transplant that have led him to become the donation advocate he is today. Hi, Bobby. I'm so glad you could be here today. Hello, Audrey. Good to see you again. So let's just start right from the beginning. So did you truly have no idea that you were not well before your fall? Well, I I knew something was going on, but I didn't know exactly what it was because I was fainting and and passing out and things like that and um, missing a lot of work. But... um, I didn't have no idea it was my kidneys. Leading up to the fall, you were actually experiencing some really right. serious symptoms, but mm-hmm. you did you, I mean, you made a choice to not. No, you know how we are. We don't want to go to the doctor <laughs> and put right. that off and put it off and put it off. And I played that, was in that role right there. And so, you know, and I, I regret I didn't go to the doctor, you know, but, the fact that you did get there um, did save your life. And leading up to that though, prior to you beginning to feel any sort of, um, you know, illness or anything, you had, you had been an athlete at some point, right? Um, In your college days or high school days. High school days. And I got drafted in in high school um, by the the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, wow. And, um, and I played that out until I got injured in, um, and then I joined the military and and, um, and played baseball for the army. Really? Yes. I, I I guess I knew that the military had. I mean, I knew they had football teams. I really hadn't thought about um, other sports like yes. like baseball. So so you continue to do that. So did you remain pretty athletic even after you um, left the service? I did, and I, I I started playing ball for the city a city baseball league here in, in Little Rock. You know, and um, and it it, it, uh, it kept me active. You know. So so let's go to that night or day when you did have the accident. So you you fell into the the glass top table, I believe it was. It was. Correct. It was. And it, were were you very seriously injured from the glass? I was. I was cut up pretty good. You know, I, we made it to the hospital and. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they rushed me in, in emergency room and things like that and, and waiting on me and and the doctor come in and, and said he, he looked at everything and said like something was going on with my kidneys mm-hmm. and, and they investigated a little further and 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 he said I'm a lucky man because I, I was I probably had about a week to two weeks to live oh my gosh yeah wow so 
I'm guessing what immediate dialysis did that start yeah, immediately? Immediately the next day. So, Bobby, how long ago was this? This was in 2002. Okay, so oh, so quite a while then. Quite I'm going on, going on 20 years. Yeah. Um, so, how often were you required to um, receive the dialysis treatments? Three three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But I. I started off dialysis. Um, I was still drinking and still drugging, and and then you know I didn't realize what all was needed to get a transplant. Okay, so all right, let's let's stop right there. So so you're saying then, so you have a you have a history with alcohol, of course. And okay, so those were those the issues that led to your organ failure. It wasn't my organ failure, too much my organ failure, but it was more of my lifestyle. The lifestyle and I was living. That was that caused the, the organ that, failure? That caused the accident. Oh, I the was, a- okay. Because I was drinking at night and um, had been, you know, doing, doing drugs and things like that. And, and that, that's what made me fall. So, okay. So, so with that in mind, so you go to the hospital. Um, I mean, the, obviously the medical staff determines they can see that you that you have the drugs or alcohol in your system. Mm-hmm. So what um, backing up from the, the dialysis, mm-hmm. what did your doctor say to you about? Well, first of all, when did when did the doctor say to you, you know, your your choices are dialysis and then, you know, maybe a transplant when did you first hear that word that you know the transplant that that was something that you I, needed to I didn't hear the word transplant to about a year while after I was on dialysis okay so so during that uh, that initial year that was not an option that you were presented with yeah. and do, do you think that that was because of your um, your addiction no I think it's because of it's something that we're working with in the network now to, to get more patients on the transplant list because it, it just wasn't talked about back then hmm. that often, you know, okay. it was only for select people, you know, the people that were doing so well on dialysis, they didn't, they didn't give you the option to do better, you know, to, to make you do, want to do better, tell you what all it takes to get a transplant. So, so it's required, as I understand it, um, patients who are who help to be placed on the waiting list have to adhere to a number of different um, rules, or mm-hmm. so to speak, that will keep that will ensure their health right. before they receive the, the transplant. So that's that's really the reason for these sort of. Um, as I said, rules that, that people have to follow. So right. it's, it, you have to be compliant, correct? Right. So so once you were told that a transplant um, could be in your future, um, were you then, did the doctors then work with you in saying, okay, you're going to have to work on your addiction? Was that? Yes, it, it was one, it was, it was my APN. She came to me one day and, and, and she, she put that finger in my face and said, let me tell you something, young man. <laughs> I see something in you because I had asked her, I had talked to the nurse about, talked to the patients, you know, the new ones that were coming in 
to ask them, because I talked to them about, you know, see, could they do better? Because I didn't want them to experience the same feeling that I felt when I first started dialysis, because nobody wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't look at you or anything like that. And so I just wanted people to feel more welcome when they, you know, started dialysis. And that started my advocacy, hmm. you know. So tell us about that. So you're, that's, that's an interesting perspective. So, so your, your first advocacy regarding um, donation was really about, it was really for dialysis patients. It was, yes. Um, and so tell us about that work. Um, what, what were you doing in that arena? Well, you know, I started a support group. That was the first thing I did. And, and, and you know, that lasted, you know, till I got a transplant. But I would, I would talk to patients, especially the ones that, that wasn't doing well, mm-hmm. and, and give them the same option that, that APN gave me. You know, I didn't put a finger in their face or anything. <laughs> but, you know, I told them, you know, what they were doing. They were spinning their wheels, you know, just, you know, just drinking and not, not being compliant and missing treatments and things like that. I took, you know, let them know there was more harm than good in there. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to convince them to do right and be compliant and things like that. So you, you, you kind of served as a, as a mentor in yes. a way, even though you were actually new to the process as well. Right. Cause you were still going through dialysis, correct? Right. Yes. So, so tell us then, let's, let's, let's jump a little more to the future because you were on dialysis for how long? What period of time? Uh, from 2002 to 2005. Okay, so you were on dialysis for, for three years. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us about that, that moment or that time when you learned that there was a kidney available for you. Well, I was in church. And um, I was getting ready to do, do communion, communion, and my my um my, well, back then we had beepers back then, <laughs> yeah. And my beeper went off, and I looked down and I saw that six eight six. I know that was EMS, <laughs> and boy, I knew it. I knew that was it, cause it was you know it was early in the morning, yeah. And and they told me to come in that afternoon and get my kidney. <laughs> So I went on, I went on, got my communion and thank God and thank everybody I saw. And, uh, you know, that afternoon I got, got suited up for my transplant. Wow. That's, that's an incredible story. And to think that you were, you know, in your spiritual place at the time that you, that you learned about it. How long did you, or do you remember how long you waited before the the procedure actually began? Oh, they, they, um, that next morning, I was I was transplanted because okay. the kidney the kidney came from Fort Smith. Okay. So it wasn't that far away. And do you remember what it felt like when you woke up from the surgery following the transplant? Can you recall feeling any different than you did before going into the surgery? Not really. You know, I just I was sore. You know, mm-hmm. from from the from the uh, incisions and things like that, but yes, I didn't feel any different far as you know feeling different. It just was. It took took about a day, you know, for me to urinate, mm-hmm. but I never did stop urinating. 
Okay, so so you were kind of, I don't know if that's unusual or not, but. It, it's very unusual because I, I, at the end of my dialysis, I, I got down to two days a week. Well, oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I wondered about that because I, I know that um, I've seen on television shows or heard in reports or whatever that people, um, you know, the the kind of the guide star, I guess, is when a person, when a person does have their first evacuation, mm-hmm. uh, right, f- uh, following the transplant is, is sort of a, a sign that it is um, working. But you're saying you you did not, like many people um, are like, oh, I was so excited. I was so relieved to have that first time. Yeah. You didn't have that because no. you were fortunate and not having, you did not right. have to endure that right. um, the three years. So well, that that's great. Um, you no, know, so, while, while I was on dialysis, I started, you know, I started doing better on dialysis because mm-hmm. they was telling me, you know, I was being more compliant. And so that's the reason why I got down to two days a week because I was, you know, eating the right foods, drinking the right things and stuff like that, you know, so. And I think a lot of people probably are not aware that it, that that's even possible because mm-hmm. what you hear about is, you know, that three days a week. Right, right. Well, that's, um, that must've been very exciting for you to it come was. to, you know, that's, that's a lot of time to get back um, mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah. Um, so, so you're out of the hospital, you're recovering, um, you're probably at some point have wondered, who was my donor? Mm-hmm. What did you do about that? Or did you do anything when you began to wonder well, about your donor? Well, I found out uh, about, a, about a week before I went to the transplant games in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I had heard that they wanted to meet me, one of their daughters, had, had, had wrote my letter, wrote, wrote back to me and said that she would like to meet us, you know, meet me, meet me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so when I was so excited, you know, out in that, at that point, I was ready to meet him. But I had to wait till I got back from Louisville. But it still took about maybe six months after that before we met. And so that was, um, that was about how long after your transplant that you? About a year. About a year, okay. So did you correspond um, by email by email or mail or anything first? We talked, or? We talked on the phone. I talked, talked to I talked to Lynette first on the phone. She's mm-hmm. the one that answered answered me back. And uh, you know, everybody was so excited. <laughs> me, I was excited to meet, and you know, and so we, we agreed to meet, you know. Okay, so tell us about that. Um, so first of all, where um, where was your donor from? Was your donor in Arkansas or from another state? He was he was from Boonville, Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, he's from Boonville. Boonville. And, uh, yeah. And um he has a sister that, that lived in lives in Frisco, Texas. Mm-hmm. Has one live in Centerton, Arkansas, and another one living in Boonville. So it's three sisters. You know, I, I'm originally the only child. Now I have three sisters and, <laughs> and a whole new mother, you know, so. So it sounds as though you guys really took to each other. We did. We really did. They, they had a really nice family, and, and that day was so hot. <laughs> was the hottest day in, in, I ever been in Arkansas. Either that or I was just nervous, just sweating. I don't know. but Probably a little of both. A little of both, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we all met, met at... at uh, 
at St. Edward's Hospital in Fort Smith mm -hmm. on the conference rooms. And yeah, and it, 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 it was a good meeting. It was a good meeting. And, and I actually have a key to mom's mom's house, you know. Wow. So do you actually call, do you call her mom? I do. I do. And you feel like you've got these three sisters now that you yeah. never expected to have in, in yeah, your life. And, and I don't have any children of my own. And, and my donor had three kids and, and they're like mine now. So, you know, it just gave me a whole new family. So do, do you and your wife, do you, do you interact with the family, with that family, with your donor family as a whole during holidays or special yeah, occasions? Especially Easter. Every every Easter we always go to church together. On mm -hmm. Easter. And uh, do they come here? or Do you go there? I go there because it's easy. It's just me and her, just mm -hmm. bringing everybody to look around. Right. You know. So, but yeah. So after that, after meeting your your donor family, um, and I think this was probably around the time that that I met you, um, you became interested in volunteering. Um, to support um, organ donation. Mm -hmm. And um, so, as I recall, you actually approached us, I think, about coming to speak to your church. And very soon after, you were a volunteer for us. Yes. Um, and you're also involved with an organization that is very important to patients um, who might be traveling from out of town if they're being treated at one of the Little Rock hospitals, and that's Harrison House. Correct. That's, 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 that's my main ministry right now. So please tell us about Harrison House and how you became connected with, with it. Now, the best way to describe it is it's, it's, it's just like uh, Ronald McDonald House, but it's for adults. Okay. You know, we have eight rooms, and um, it's two beds in each room, or we have a couple king-size beds, so... Um, and um, we supply everything except for their food here, and we do accept donations. But uh, we we try to uh, make everything you know helpful for the for the guests as we can. So, what is your role there at Harrison House? I'm the director. I start off as the bottle washer. <laughs> uh, were, you were never a resident there, uh, were you? Did you ever stay there? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we have a manager's house here, manager's room here. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. Before before you began working there, you weren't ever a, a client. No, no, you know, no. Okay. Um, so Harrison House is located here in in Little Rock, and how how do patients learn about it? Um, is that something that they do? They get the information from the from, from the, the hospitals? Social, yeah, from the social workers at the hospitals. Okay. That, that's my main um, main people that I con that contact me for for rooms and things like that. And are there are there certain requirements? I mean, I, I understand that the residents um, are all here or staying there um, during medical treatment. Mm -hmm. but, um, does it specify <clears throat> what type of treatment? Can it be anyone who has any sort of procedure at any of the hospitals um, is welcome? It, it can be any any kind of procedure. You know, the Harrison House started off as as a kidney house. Mm hmm. That's how I got involved in it. Uh, someone approached me, uh, that same nurse put that finger in my face, <laughs> approached me about they needed somebody to come over, over here and, and run this, run the Harrison house. And, mm -hmm. and at that time, I was needing a place to stay, another place to stay, and it was perfect timing. I mean, 
perfect. And so that's another reason why I'm so thankful for this place. So you were a resident manager, meaning that you stayed there 24 hours. Right. And now, is that still the case? Are you still a resident manager? No, I, no, I have someone staying. I have a manager here. I'm, okay. I'm, uh, yes. Okay. So now you're, you are the director. Yeah. But I'd like to go back to what you said. You said Harrison House was kind of a kidney house. So what are the or- origins of Harrison House? How did it begin? Uh, it was a big need for, because back then in, in the 70s, People, everybody couldn't do dialysis. Mm-hmm. It was only a, a select few of people that could do dialysis, and you had to have money to do mm-hmm. dialysis because back then the government didn't pay for it. Okay, you either did dialysis or you died. Mm-hmm. I hate to be so blunt, but that's just the way it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And so people came here and they stayed here. Everybody had to come to Little Rock to do their dialysis because it wasn't dialysis soon as all across the state like it is now. Mm-hmm. They only did it here. In Little Rock, and so they come stay here during the week, Monday through Friday. Went home on the weekends and come back Monday and do it all over again. We had people sleeping, making pallets on the floors and things like that, you know. So that's how it got actually got started. It was a need for we were. This is our second house that we've been in. Ah, okay. So originally it was open. Um, Primarily to to transplant uh, kidney patients, kidney, kidney patients, uh, other patients. Yes. So so, um, but then it it's now uh, more broadly open to more people with with right. different treatments. You know, you know, as time as time went on, the need for this for the for the house wasn't it wasn't as much for kidneys patients as mm-hmm. it was for other patients. And you know, as as UAMS has its myeloma center here. And yes. so we have a lot of lot of people doing stem cell transplants and and, and all kind of things like that. So. Okay. And we open it up to them. So I know that you're also, in addition to Harrison House, you've also been really busy with the Organ Recipients Association of Arkansas. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Um, now I know you were weren't you president at one point? I was, and we just had we had we had a, we had a picnic. Um, couple of Saturdays ago, the first time we met in person in a while, mm-hmm. you know, since the pandemic, you know, but uh, we was outside at, a, at a, um, Dupree Park in Jacksonville. We had a good time out there. So tell us about the Organ Recipients Association of Arkansas. Uh, what is it and how and who can be involved? How, do, how would you get involved and who who is allowed to be involved uh, in this organization? Mainly, it's, it's basically just like a big support group. For recipients only. Or for recipients in their in their caregivers. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. We're we're trying to focus more on caregivers these days. You know, yes. so they they always get left out. Mm-hmm. So, were you were were you guys able to continue meeting virtually during the pandemic? We were. As, we were. Yes. That's that that's great. So there was so at least you had some continuity there, and people right. were able mm-hmm. to continue to receive the. Right support that they needed. Right, yes. And it was good to see everybody in person. Though. Oh, I'm, I can, I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet it was. So, Bobby, right now then, what is your your passion right now in terms of volunteering? What are you, um, what are you devoting the most time to these days um, in support of donation? Well, uh, for donation, I'm trying to get more people 
who had transplants to be more involved in, 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 in wanting to give back more. Because I think that would help more people understand to get how to get on the list mm-hmm. and how to, um, you know, go through all the obstacles of getting a transplant. You know, we need more people who who got the transplant. Don't just get don't just get a transplant and say I got mine, and you know, forget about the rest. But we just need more people to uh, be more involved in in, in the transplant. And, and are you hoping to do this through the Organ Recipients Association, or um, do you have some other every every, every method? Everything I have, you know, uh, the Harrison House. You know, I, I've talked to patients that they stayed here and had the transplant, and you know, I just closed the door and talked to them. You mm-hmm. know, and and also uh, a church. I have uh, a big, big, big plot of uh, people that help me at church with volunteers and uh, getting people signed up. You know, it's just you know, we just we just got to work harder to get more people signed up. Well, Bobby, as as a uh, former employee of Aurora, as you are, and a current uh, volunteer, um, I, I know, we know how important it is to have really dedicated people working in support of this cause. And someone like you who has um, such a personal connection with donations certainly can be a very, very convincing advocate. So we're happy that you're out there working on our team. <laughs> Hey, Bobby, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling your donation story. Um, As as a donation champion, and I do consider you to be a donation champion, as a donation champion for so many people, can you tell our audience why you believe it is so important for everyone to register as an organ and tissue donor? I've heard so many stories why people don't want to do it. I want people to know why it's so important it is to do it, mm-hmm. you know, because you just never know how you can affect someone else's life. I look at my life. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, and wasn't going anywhere. And just look how organ donations saved my life and turned my life around and gave me a new ministry in the Harrison House, something to get up every morning and look forward to going to and, you know, and doing my business. So I'm, I'm very grateful. So, I mean, I, I, I would encourage anyone, if you're on the fence about organ donation, jump off. <laughs> <laughs> Onto the donation side, right? <laughs> on the donation side, yeah. Bobby, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Right. Thanks a lot, Bobby. And if you have any questions for us, please call 501-907-9150. And if you're ready to make a life-restoring decision and register to become an organ, tissue, and eye donor, go to DonateLifeArkansas.org. Radiate is a production of Aurora and is hosted by Audrey Coleman, Aurora's Director of Communications.